0: You're listening to a Hindustan Times podcast, brought to you by HD Smartcast.
1: Hi, this is Manjula Narayan, National Books Editor, Hindustan Times, and this is the Books and Authors podcast. It's a weekly podcast where I speak to authors who've got a new book out. Hi, so today we have with us Sudha Bharadwaj, who's written from Farsi Yard, my year with the women of Yerwada. Hello. Thank you for coming on the show. Hello. Okay. So, you know, I mean, I've read the book and uh, like everybody knows that, you know, you you were in prison. and But unlike many prison memoirs, you know, I think what is great about this book is that there are so many, I mean, like I said earlier, I don't know whether the government or the whoever is in charge of prisons or, you know, the justice system, one isn't very uh, optimistic, will ever look at this. But this is like a report. For all the things that can be improved within the system, prison system at least, within a specific women's prisons, let's say, keep it very, you know. So do you want to talk about that to begin with?
0: Oh, yes. Uh, Yes, yes. In fact, uh, ever since my release, I have been really, uh, I mean, all the time thinking about what can be done to improve the situation. And uh, yeah, so whether it's suggestions about legal aid or reform or, you know, uh, I, I, I would be only too happy to cooperate in helping in any way. Yes. And, and I do think there, there, there are many, there, there are some things which are very difficult to do, but there, there, there are some things which are very small and which could bring a lot of relief. So, so I think, you know, a, a variety of measures are really required hmm, in uh, different aspects of the jail life. So, yes, yeah, they're, they're, they're too many. So maybe we could just, you know, <laughs> as your questions go, I'll I'll, I'll keep answering that. Yeah. Okay.
1: So when I look at it, you know, like the, the Yerwada jail, I mean, all jails are terrible, of course, but that seems qualitatively better than the Baikala jail for sure. When you, which you, when you talk about at the end, you know, when you're transferred to Baikala and you talk about it, in, the, in, in some ways it's better and in some ways it's worse. But do you want to talk about that?
0: Yeah, well, you see, I think um, uh, both Yervada and Vaikala are are perhaps uh, some of the better jails among the jails in the entire country, if we see, because Maharashtra is a relatively developed state. uh, And of course, these are also jails which are closer to urban areas. Um, uh, You see, Yervada is a central jail. So in that sense, it it has a lot of convicts. being a central jail, many people who get convicted are then shifted from smaller jails to this larger jail, central jail, and therefore they also have more funds and they have more funds for the reformatory part of it because they have a lot of long-term convicts staying there. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, it's a better-funded uh, Yerwada also in terms of space because it's it's uh, uh, it's on the outskirts of a city, but it's it's got a lot of space. So there's you know space for women to move around and so on. Mm. there's also scope for further construction there's scope for you know um, people go to work in the fields and all that business so that thing is also there but um, Baikala is uh, first of all it's a district jail secondly it's largely an undertrial jail mm. and in un- the undertrial jail mm. the, the, uh, the, the jail administration is not really so focused on reformation or that sort of thing because those prisoners are there for a relatively much shorter time. It's presumed that there'll be a high turnover. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also space-wise, there's very little space. I mean, the Baikala Jail is really a jail within a jail. So uh, uh, the the women's jail is sort of in a circle uh, uh, inside the larger jail. And that is a two-story building and there's only a very small courtyard. So there's no space. So in many ways, uh, uh, yeah, there is a difference. Uh, there is a difference in terms of food there is a difference um, as you said good in some ways and bad in some ways so for example in Yerbada, because you have those fields you have you have you know uh, fresh vegetables and uh, etc which comes in from the from the fields so and and women cook it in the women's day mm-hmm. uh, in in baikala obviously all this is bought from the outside so during the covid for instance we had a really bad time because things were not available mm-hmm. the the quality of food maybe really plummeted badly And even otherwise, it's not very good. Um, But because the Baikala jail is more an under-trial jail and there are a lot of people who are able to afford special food. So almost, I mean, uh, I think every week there would be special foods which you could purchase from from what is called the personal cash, which was not there in Yerwada because Yerwada most of them are convicts. And Ah. they don't get money from home, most of them. Hmm. So, you know, these particularly women convicts are usually abandoned. So, basically, they survive by working in the factory or in the fields or whatever. And that's how they make money. And uh, with that, they purchase things from the can. So, uh, that's, that's the way it goes. So, yeah, there are good things and bad things in both places. Um, uh, the level of strictness, the level of, you know, for example, in Yerbada, the because again because you have convicts, so they have to be in that uniform and that green sari and all that stuff. And um, whereas um, and murder trial, murder under trials are also made to wear that green sari in Baikala Jail because it's more under trial so uh, usually it's uh, they don't have any uniform and in that circumstance when most of them are not having to wear then sometimes the murder under trials within the jail are permitted to wear normal clothes it's only when they go to the gate or to the you know dispensary or to the you know outside the women's circle but uh, you know, to the to to the to the offices of the jail, then they have to wear that green sari. So you know, it the, the degree of strictness and and non strictness also uh, varies a little. The quality of things, the levels of crowding, uh, all that there is a difference. Yes,
1: hmm. you know, I was quite surprised that there are parts. They're quite humorous bits, also unexpectedly, <laughs> in the in in, in the... <laughs> we, all, we all have to we have to all have to laugh sometimes. <laughs> yeah. but, but that it was a bit unexpected, especially you know this yeah. uh, bit where you talk about I don't know it's usually uh, where these two women are uh, the co-wives of this person who's yeah, still yeah, yeah. something. And at the end of it, you say that they're praying together somewhere and hopefully not to have the same husband for the next seven lives. I, I mean, <laughs> it was most unexpected, you know, to... I, I suppose even in the most dire circumstances, there are funny things happening. Or oh, is that, uh, yes. you, know, you know... No, no, no. I mean, uh, I, I also used to look for it, I think.
0: But uh, yes. Yeah, people, yeah, yes, you have to keep your sense of humor alive. In fact, uh, connected to that story, there is another funny story, which huh. is that, you know, in this, uh, when they have this, uh, in Maharashtra, they have this Bhat Savitri Puja. Ah. So, you know, the, the women go round and round, the people tree. Yeah. And uh, they do it seven times so that they'll get the same husband for seven lives. Yeah. So I remember one of the one of the prisoners who had actually got implicated in the case because of her husband uh-huh. i mean the husband had had a mistress and killed her yes. and uh and put the blame on the wife and her parents uh-huh. her parents fortunately were old where they i mean they were acquitted but she was uh, sentenced and uh-huh. she jokingly used to say i hope i i wish i could go anti-clockwise around the same tree so that i never get this husband again so you know It was funny, but it was not funny. (laughs) A lot of the humor is dark humor, I'm afraid. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's unexpected to to laugh suddenly, you know, when you're reading a book like this, but uh, you've managed to put in those bits as well. (laughs) Yeah. Now, you know, also what I found interesting was um, uh, right throughout, like all, uh, since this is on the, you know, female prisoners, and how you've pointed it out how often they tend to and there are many cases where the women you know are implicated because of the crimes of their husbands or you know uh, male family members but they all seem very uh, forgiving and they sort of blind in many ways
0: yeah actually not only uh, just forgiving uh, many of the time they are also uh many of the time i find that they're also trying to protect uh, male family members uh, with paradoxically the understanding also that the courts will be more lenient with the women i mean that also <laughs> that's also a part of that understanding that you know protect the men they will you know it will be easier for the women but actually it never is easier It is never easier.
1: Yeah, Because in all these cases, I mean, the men are getting out earlier and and the women are, you know, taking the fall for many of the things. Priority. They are made
0: of lawyers and, you know, uh, all that. Whereas um, uh, if a woman is in jail, then the, you know, the tendency to spend more money maybe to or, you know, to follow the case up or to keep meeting her or keep coming to the court. That is much less. That is much less. And in cases, in criminal cases, personal criminal cases of women, uh, which are often, uh, maybe they've murdered a husband or maybe they've, you know. So, in those cases, they lose the sympathy of both sides of the family. Both the natal family and the marital family. So, you know, many of the time they're just left to their own devices. It's Mm. it's really very
1: sad. But, you know, in the cases, like you've pointed out, in cases where uh, women, you know, have been subjected to abuse for like years maybe decades even and then finally they snap and they kill their spouses there is no sympathy even for them what is that why is you know that no no no. that doesn't seem to be no that you see the
0: problem is um that in in criminal law there is a concept of sudden and grave provocation Hmm. sudden and grave provocation means something which just happens at the sport at the moment and in that heat of the passion you commit a crime
1: and then Hmm. you are
0: uh, you are uh, sort of uh shielded I mean, to some extent, I mean, that is considered a defense. And, and, I, and as, as I say in the book, I mean, for example, a husband comes in suddenly and finds his wife in a compromising situation. Mm-hmm. And he just you know, stabs the lover or stabs the wife or both or whatever. You will find many judges sympathetic with the husband at that point. But the thing about repeated abuse continually happening mm-hmm. uh, to a woman who finally does this, somehow it doesn't add up to a sudden and grave provocation for some reason. And I, I don't know whether you've seen this film Provoke, and that, is, that was a case in a British court, mm-hmm. where actually this woman had been abused for a long, long time by her husband, and uh, then she actually kills him. Now the problem is that, uh, and, and there exactly that is the question, where is, it a, is it a pre-planned cold-blooded murder? can it be considered a sudden and grave provocation um, mm. and in that case she won the case so it was considered that it was something that she had been provoked to do and mm. that uh, that really doesn't seem to be holding much in in uh, at least in india this kind of argument mm. so is, is it and, and, and that is that's, that's also i think i think the mindset of the judges because you're still considered a very bad woman if you you know, uh, uh, sort of retaliate. Retaliation is, is not a done thing for a good woman. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned also the rage in a woman is not encouraged, right? Yeah, yeah. yes, yes, of course. So, so it's really because, I mean, our society is so conservative, or what, you know, like uh, rule-bound when it comes to women, that perhaps we are still at this stage, you know even in matters of the law the perception is like this though even i mean if somebody's been abused for years and years and then she finally hits back it can't really it, it is as i mean it's almost it valid right like how long can somebody endure so wow <laughs> you know uh, i should be careful when you say- <laughs> yes i know i, I know. don't
0: think the the judges would appreciate it in the four corners of the law now this
1: is uh,
0: this is exactly the skewedness which which happens and and in fact in a way in criminal law this is the other thing which i pointed out when you have a live daughter in law who's mm. been harassed yeah and the efforts she has to make to get an to to go get a complaint registered and having understood that aspect of it, that, you know, everything uh, cannot be, uh, cannot just be a criminal case. That's why the whole idea of the Domestic Violence Act came into being that, you know, we should have some civil remedy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, and, and uh, everything need not end up as a criminal case. But somehow that did never worked. And when does the police really swing into action? They don't swing into action all the time when she's alive or mm. uh, they keep on t- advising her they need adjust and, ye thoda hota hi hai, and all that mm. business. Mm. And then of course when she dies, then uh then uh, sometimes it swings to the other extreme. They pick up everybody in the husband's family. It may be, you know, like I've given the example of a newly married yeah. girl who had come into that family. Yeah. How? committed suicide. It must have been mm-hmm. a long-standing thing. Why this young Devrani of fifteen days yes. would have had nothing to do with the abatement of murder? Yeah.
1: I mean, it is. It is. It becomes meaningless. Yes. Why would they do that? I mean, it doesn't even make logical sense. Well, (laughs)
0: a lot of things don't make logical sense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think basically many of the times it is really uh, how uh, powerful uh, the complainant on the girl's side is. I mean, it might be just uh, the thing of teaching a lesson or it might be just uh, sometimes it's a way to extort also from that accused family so i mean there, there's a there's a multiplicity of reasons and sometimes the the other uh interesting thing is which i again saw there in the jail for many of the daughter-in-laws who had been killed uh, mm. or were uh, not uh, the the let's say the deaths were unnatural or uh, sometimes they were suicides or whatever it was mm. if the the women members mm. of the of the in-laws family would be arrested and many times the male members would not be So, the husband will not be, the mother-in-law will be, or the sister-in-law will be. Yeah. So, again, that is illogical. That is presuming that it was the mother-in-law who was harassing the daughter-in-law, but without seeing the structure of the entire household and, you know, that what were the responsibilities of a husband. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... Uh, those were again so much as it is you know uh, i mean uh, being part of the women's movement and knowing how long and uh, you know what a struggle it has been for the women's movement to uh, to even bring bring to visibility the kind of torture which goes on in ma- in, in marital homes you know behind yes. closed doors yes and how important that presumption a four ninety eight. A yeah. the presumption mm-hmm. that you know within seven years of marriage, if a woman commits suicide, then you have to look look to the cause of it. You can't just call it a suicide and do away with it. So yes. that has been a, that was a very important part of jurisprudence, no doubt. Yeah, but we still. To really get to the bottom of it and, you know, uh, this distorted manner in which the police is actually applying this, this also has to be looked into. And now because of that, many times the judges are going in the opposite direction and saying "Ki no, no, you know, all these are all false cases and actually nothing happens and there's no torture really and so on and so forth. See, yeah, both in, in this case of 498A or like in the SCST atrocities act or in other, you know, where... With the great struggle, such uh, uh, such such things have been brought to the fore. Yeah. Uh, then this argument of abuse is then used to try and de- do away altogether with protective uh, yes. provision. Yeah. Yes. So it's a it's a it's a tightrope walk there.
1: <laughs> I know you may have made copious notes and all, but I was like looking at it and thinking that the level of detail, you know, in each of these, uh, yeah, how did you gather it? even
0: we were there for uh, uh, over a year, a year and three months. Hmm. And uh, uh, basically uh, once of course uh, while we were in the cell, most of the time uh, we would have to just be observing because you know uh, 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 you know whether sitting in the corridor and looking through the cage or at the back of the, of, of the cell there used to be you know, overlooking the factory, so, um, one is that I'm, you know, I, I like uh, watching people and I like trying to think about their lives and you know, putting myself in their shoes and walking around. So, um, and the other thing is that whatever opportunities one would get to interact with them, which was like when we went for Mulaka or we went to the mm-hmm. port or the canteen or we traveled together in the port, uh, in the, lock, in the you know, van the lockup.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, those were the times when one would strike up a conversation. Okay, And usually one thing is if you are a good listener in the jail then a lot of people are ready to pour out their stories to you because jail is a pretty miserable place
1: so if you find
0: somebody who is a little sympathetic or uh, helpful or interested even in knowing about you uh, so of course uh, none of these stories would have been written over one conversation in multiple many conversations and then you know over a period of time and you know also observing and so on and then uh, when i felt that i, I sort of figure out a bit about this person or about mm. the situation in, then i would write
1: mm-hmm. so that that's why
0: the notice is not a diary it doesn't have dates and yeah uh, stuff because it, it would all be the information gathered over you know a period of time for for each of the prisoners yes
1: So there are seventy-seven prisoners, right? Who character
0: kind of sketches. There are
1: seventy-seven, yeah, seventy-six notes,
0: but some of them are groups. Like there's a mother and daughter, or there is a group of people, or yeah. So yeah.
1: Hmm. And I also find you know like what happened, like you mentioned about many children there and how much you know they're coddled and loved, and though they're in such a horrible like circumstance, but then they are sent off to a sanstha. I mean, they have to leave their mothers behind if the mother is a convict. So, th- what happens to those children? I mean, you—that's
0: uh, those children go. I mean, so so that sanstha is 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 like a junior version of the jail. I mean, in the yeah. sense that uh, I I really haven't seen those sanstas at very close quarters. Mm. Um, I do that one hears some horror stories about how sanstas are run. But yes. uh, I hope uh, it's not always like that. Um, but. Uh, yeah, basically uh, they will be uh, kept there. Uh, they'll be sent usually to a to a government school. Uh, mm-hmm. It'll be like a hostel kind of uh, thing, but a, a little more stricter than a hostel, I suppose.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, they're supposed to bring these children to meet their uh to their mothers. In fact, there used to be a system called Galabhit. Galabhit means, you know, literally. He, you allow them to be embraced by their mother, so you know, a physical contact is permitted because nowadays yes. the mulakat is all through the glass, you know, mm-hmm. through, a, through an intercom phone and through the glass. But for a child, uh, child really needs to be closed. So, I think till the age of uh, 12 or 13, now they still allow galabate
1: okay for I the see.
0: children. So, okay. but you know, but then the, the sansta has to be sensitive enough to bring the child. Uh, or take the trouble to bring the child. And even the jail has to be sensitive enough to, you know, allow the mother to maybe talk on the telephone um, mm-hmm. to the child at the sanstha. So, you know, maintaining that communication and yeah. particularly both of them are in captivity, the mother also and the child also. Yes, and the child is uh, even more helpless in expressing it. So you know, uh, whatever is going on in that sansa or if, if the child is unhappy there, or has some issues there, some grievances there, how does the, how will the mother come to know? Yeah, you know, um, you know. So that is really, I mean, that has to really be improved, and uh, that connection has to be. Uh, yeah, I mean, she she needs to be given much m- many more rights. I think uh, mm-hmm. vis-a-vis that child because the child is still a minor. Yes, and, and she herself is not not free enough to you know too much.
1: Yeah, it sounds very tragic. I found that very regular. Yeah, no. yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, No, no, it's, it's it's and and during COVID, you can imagine. Yeah, mother is locked up in one sister, child is locked up in another sister. So mm-hmm. until we, uh, until those phone calls and all became very uh, regular. This is a pretty bad situation. <laughs>
1: this struck me in a more enlightened society than ours. The attitude towards crime would not be one of revenge or punishment, but of reform and rehabilitation. You know, you want to talk about that because clearly, not much of that seems to be happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, actually,
0: Manjula, see, the thing, the thing is that uh, first of all, the jails are very understaffed. Mm-hmm. The, the, there is not enough staff. But what staff there is is totally the disciplinary staff. The the ones in the vartis. The ones you lock you up and unlock you and line you and count you and, you know, uh, basically keep you in order. Mm. But Mm. that's only one part. And uh, nowadays, at least theoretically it's accepted that, you know, a jail is not to give punishment, but as far as possible to help in reform and rehabilitation. But Mm. for that reform, you need reformatory staff. Yes. For the staff need more doctors and nurses i mean usually medically most jails are not very well
1: equipped
0: mm-hmm. uh, we were lucky as i said because it, both in yerbada and baikala one one thing is there were referral hospitals which were go, mm-hmm. and uh, at least the regular opd etc would, would take place but i'm many of the jails it must not be so, so good. but for example the attitude towards psychological uh yes health. yes now, now the the as I said, I mean, there's a, there was a very good psychiatrist who would come in at Baikala. But the thing is, who are the patients who are referred to her? Only mm-hmm. the ones who are, you know, creating so much of chaos and noise and uncontrollable and they're violent, those are referred. But, you know, if somebody is just weepy or depressed or not having their food or crying for their child, you know, they don't cause nuisance. Na? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't bother to. Uh, and and that then you'll say oh then we'll have to refer everybody but actually that is the case I mean maybe everybody needs to be referred so maybe you need more counselors not not just psychiatrists a psychiatrist mm-hmm. maybe uh, is required when when mental uh, issues become at uh, a particular level uh, requiring mm-hmm. medication prior to that even the counseling when women abandoned by their families women separated yeah. from their children. Um. Your or you know, and and one of the big problems, Nandula, in 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 counselling in a jail is mm-hmm. that when you talk about your issue, somehow or the other, it's going to be associated with your crime. Achai. and this is where this is where the confidentiality that has to be between you and your counsellor mm-hmm. is not available in the jail because the 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 the, the, the counsellor is perceived to be part of the jail administration. There'll oh. be a jail constable sitting while you're talking to her they'll mm-hmm. you know you know that, that story is going to get back into the jail that and maybe go to the police as well so how do you talk
1: yeah yeah
0: so they, it's a serious issue and and then how do you uh, how do you uh, you know they're supposed to be social workers we are supposed to maintain your connection with your family yes but actually that requires a lot of effort particularly when families have given up on such women mm-hmm. you
1: know
0: yeah so, But I find them all the time bogged down only in paperwork, there are very few social workers, they just bogged down in paperwork all the time and they don't actually have the time to do this work of, you know, talking to the families, talking to the women, really trying to see when they go out, will they be able to keep out of the net of crime, will they be able to have some other alternative livelihood, will the families accept them.
1: So, but you know, what, what is this people. paperwork? What is this paperwork? Because you mentioned that that social worker <laughs> said, you know, there's they so many no so like, What is this paperwork that they're so bombed I down? don't know. What they, <laughs> I really don't know what they keep on filling up.
0: <laughs> but but like for everything, they have to take permission. They have to write one letter. Okay, I'm going to so-and-so's family. And then I have to take leave for that. And then I have to do, I don't know what and then how many, uh, you know. I think it's it's very bureaucratic. The whole thing is very bureaucratic. Let us say somebody's family lives far away. She's going to take time to go now.
1: Yes. she
0: will not be given permission. You know how it is. So oh. it's a it's a very bureaucratic handling of this entire uh, very delicate issue, which is of how to rehabilitate that woman back into the society.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and the other thing, teachers. I mean, we need, I mean, a lot of women there were illiterate. I mean, yes. when I say illiterate, I mean totally illiterate. Hmm. Tragically, and I don't say tragically, they were able to sign, which makes a big problem. Because if you're actually illiterate and you're signing hmm. on a document, it's presumed that you know how to read. Nah?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: but they don't. So many of the times we, we tell people that, you know, if you can't read it, just put your anguta. Don't please sign. It, <laughs> it, the, the presumption will be, I mean, if you're signing, it means you can read.
1: Yeah.
0: So you know, who will believe you when you say that actually I didn't understand what I was signing?
1: That's true. Nobody's That's worried. true. Yeah. So, you
0: know, but but you, you need teachers. You need you need uh, you need people to interest them in books and you know and now the, nowadays there's so many forms of therapy which have come up. You know, they talk about dance therapy and art therapy and all kinds of things. I mean, really, one could bring some normalcy and happiness into people's lives if one could
1: introduce all that right so you know there are many things that this book made me think about and um let's start with you know this uh i mean we'll return to you know again this thing about how women uh you know this is a bit about um, where one woman is talking about how she um uh you know she's free of the constant chores of making tea, feeding people, uh, you know, constantly that she does in the outside world. And you talk about how she she has to get into prison to free herself from the patriarchy. So, you know, but the whole structure of it, do you want to talk about that side of things, you know? Um, yeah, well, actually, um,
0: you know, the, the whole idea of collectivizing housework, Mm. you know socializing housework let's say that, that why should in each, every, each you know in every little small house everybody would should be cooking and everybody should be uh, looking after just their own children and everybody should be doing their own washing and and that way, you are also keeping the women out from participating in any kind of social work. I mean, mm-hmm. so uh, whatever, whether it's for a purpose of earning a social production, at least, or outside the house, work mm-hmm. outside the house, or having any identity outside the house. And you're mm-hmm. replicating this work in each and every little house. And actually, when you come to jail, you realize it's not like that. People together, they cook for everybody. They look after each other's children. There's a mm-hmm. certain socializing of housework which happens. Okay. Um, everybody washes their own clothes and all that. But I'm just saying that that idea starts striking people. So, <laughs> uh, so, and, and like, like you said, this woman actually was, was saying, Oh, you know, it's such a relief to be, to, <laughs> to you know, not have, have to make, you know, endless cups of tea for the visitors and, you know, do, uh, do so many chores just to please your husband and your, your mother-in-law and all that. So, Yeah. Uh, yeah. That 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 aspect is there, and in a certain way, for many women, this is the first time they've they've been without a uh, you know sort of uh, some dominant male figure, you uh, always without being in the shadow of some dominant male figure. So it's it's uh, it, it it is a new experience <laughs> to that extent. Oh. Yeah,
1: ironically liberating. <laughs> They're actually in jail. Is that that's. <laughs> That's the I idea.
0: Honestly, it is. Of course, yeah. Of course, they would not stay there ever. They, I mean, the the uh, that doesn't mean that uh, you know uh, that obviously the restrictions of you know of of prison. I mean, yes. having those timings yes. and having those, that routine and that regimentation. I mean, that's terrible. Yes. But uh, you know, it, it it's yeah, <laughs> it's a different kind of uh, captivity. <laughs>
1: okay okay and you know and you also this also struck me the kinds of things that women can do for their lovers is frightening and pathetic at once and this you've seen at close quarters with your interactions with these uh, women who've committed crimes like some of them sort of not really involved but implicated so let's talk about that you know and why 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 is that so common Mm -hmm. among the prisoners Oh,
0: I think. Uh, uh, I I I think. Um, yeah, actually, this this uh, search for the you know search for the prince charming, which happens, and the way uh, you know uh, uh, they you know for, at a very young age, one one begins to think that you know the rela- relationship, such kind of relationship, would be the uh, final aim or end or whatever it is, and because. For that sake. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and then that's a very tough thing because you have to rebel against the entire family and society and yeah, sometimes they even commit crimes for it. And uh, at the end of the day, they might find that, you know, that is a mirage. I mean, that, that the whole thing that you're going after was never anything at all. So uh, that is really one of the uh, uh, very tragic consequences of uh, probably the way women are brought up to you know, yes. make uh, these relationships the center of their life Um, Mm -hmm. and they they really suffered uh, terribly for it Um, and the other thing which you mentioned about uh, uh, being punished for something that they're not to be blamed for that is another very interesting thing because in many of the cases um, uh, you find women uh, who are let us say the mother or the wife or the girlfriend of some gangster in the jail now all the gangsters are of course, Mm. and uh, and uh, all these female members of their family are being picked up
1: mm. now
0: this is a this is virtually like keeping somebody a legal hostage yes now in the CPC, in the crpc there is even an exception you know when when they talk about the crime of harboring mm. you know if you harbor an accused person or you harbor a criminal an exception mm. is made for a wife it's like if a wife is harboring a husband you can't pick her up. You know? yeah. I mean, she's doing that as a wife. Yeah. So, even the see recognizes that, you know, not every association can be criminalized in this manner. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the, the police don't seem to understand the logic of that. And therefore, mm-hmm. you know, all these mothers, wives, and girlfriends are there uh, in, in in the serious, uh, you know, uh, offenses. Like, like Makoka, Maharashtra mm-hmm. Control of Organized um, so, you know, for example, uh, there's this story, which I write in that about, about uh, a woman with a small daughter, I mean, uh, she came in and the daughter was very small and now the daughter is about four years old. Um, mm-hmm. And she, um, the first she came to know that her husband is a criminal uh, is when she' uh, called to the police station and confronted with two other women and told yes. all the wives that that your husband has in different cities and yeah. and she's shocked, and she obviously doesn't know anything about the crime some things he might have done in her name he might have he might be you know mobile in her name he might mm-hmm. have uh, bought some properties from the from the from the proceeds of crime in her name or he mm-hmm. might be you know now it is obvious that her keeping her inside is not going to help them solve that crime. She knows yeah. nothing about the crime. She knows nothing about the, the borders operandi, about the about the associates, about how the crime is committed. She knows nothing. Hmm. So what is the point? You know, okay, at the most, you want to you, you think that properties have been bought, bought from the proceeds of crime. You attach the properties, let the woman go. And hmm. because of the woman, there's a child in the jail. you know, yeah. these kind of cases. I mean, why are those women in the jail? They're mm. virtually legal hostages, you've kept them hostage and you're yeah. expecting those absconding, you know, husbands and lovers and sons to, you think they're going to surrender to the police because you've kept this woman in jail? Never.
1: Seriously.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I mean,
0: what, is the, what, 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 what do the police and even the, what does the criminal
1: justice system think that they're achieving by design? Yeah. So that that's true what do they feel that they've achieved by this nothing i mean they're just uh, sort of incarcerating right. these people. Well, well they do achieve something they do achieve something in the
0: sense that they uh, they can pick off against that particular case oh one arrest has been made oh. <laughs> And yeah. maybe it's a robbery case, a decoy case, or you know, it's a, some gangster crime and they say, we have got three people in it. It's a different matter, is one mother, one wife, and one girlfriend? I mean yeah. <laughs> so what is a big deal? Yeah. <laughs> like, Very sad. <laughs> they're the sitting ducks. No, they're
1: the sitting ducks. Yeah.
0: For so this kind of thing
1: the other thing you know what struck me is that when you which you pointed out the system works almost like a network of vast state-run barter communes on pitiful wages so this whole thing about uh, prison labor you know that that comes out in in the book i mean it's and you point out how in america uh, it's corporatized and it's far worse perhaps in some sense over there. Oh yeah. yes. Oh yes.
0: Because you see, what has happened there? Uh, because you have actually corporatized jails I'm really scared because I've heard, um, you know, in some, uh, 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 you know, in some debates and some articles that people are talking about. You know, we should uh, privatize jail. That will make them more efficient and make them better. That's like, terrible. Not at all. Not at all. Because the idea is actually, uh, I mean. Uh, um, what it has led to in America, for example, is, um, is it has led to much harsher sentencing for uh, because there's a vested interest in long sentences. There's yeah. now a vested interest because this is, this is now going to be very docile labor for you, a labor which can't unionize, a labor which can never protest, a labor yeah. which is kept in strict discipline and you can keep them at the, at the uh, you know just subsistence wage. And yes. you know even in you know the the, the so-called very enlightened Tihar jail, for example, uh, I hear that basically the you know sort of the boarding and lodging is cut from the wages because you're being given food to eat. So that is ridiculous. And and as I pointed out, uh, the wages are are very less. Now women do this work for two reasons. One is because work keeps you sane. I mean, uh, some kind of work is actually probably necessary just to uh, you know let time pass in a some kind of way but the other more important thing is that for many of the women who pass more than seven years and who are then permitted to go to the fields to work for them that is their only chance of remission so they they earn remission along with the work so the wages they earn is is uh, uh, very little hardly enough even to buy some specials or some canteen food but the remission which they get is because actually they are not in a position to approach high courts and supreme courts many of them just you know they don't even have anybody to help them uh, with all that and technically there is a concept of a, of a jail appeal that from the jail you can actually appeal to the high court, to the supreme court, and then the legal aid uh, S- uh, services authority. But in practice, it really is not very effective. And uh, it's only if you if you have money that you can really go, uh, or you know you have a family who is you know, really pursuing the matter that you can, you can go to higher courts and get relief. So for when
1: many women, ultimately, the relief lies just in doing hard labour. Now, the other thing that struck me is that the biggest crime of all, of course, is women loving each other. The slightest suspicion of a lesbian relationship leads to instant separation, invites sexist abuse from the jail staff, and provides plenty of juicy gossip for everyone else. Now, I'm just wondering, in those crowded circumstances, how can, I mean, I don't know whether it's even possible for anybody to have any sort of intimate relationship, you know? Oh, well, (laughs) when it happens and as
0: i said people are separated instantaneously Ooh. instantaneously and yeah 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 it, it's a there's a huge moral thing about lesbianism uh, there's a huge moral and, and this is what I realized that when I when we first went to the jail. I mean, I had presumed that, you know, there are only women around. So, you know, probably, you know, easiest thing would be to wear a T-shirt and uh, track pants. And it would be simpler to handle and to wash and everything. When I took those inside the jail, they threw them all out. And they said, you have to wear sari or you have to wear salwar to kameez." And uh, it was very strange because in the lockup, for example, they wouldn't allow us to keep a dupatta because they think you can hang yourself. So oh, in 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 the lockup, we were we had to keep our dupatta outside. But here they oh. say no no you have, you should wear a dupatta and go to the gate. You can't go like this. You know you have to be very shaline and proper, and you have to be very you know. Uh, so th- there is that, but you know so and there's a lot of gossip and a lot of you know thing about you know whenever it's. Observe that you know two women are getting close to each other or maybe you know um, there's there's a lot of talk about it but if mm-hmm. you notice in the story I've also written uh, in the in the book I've also written the, the story of another person yes who identified as a man yes the trans, and, uh, trans person
1: yeah
0: yes a trans person
1: hmm.
0: and uh, I am going to That's call true. him he because he identified as a he
1: yes uh, trans man Samju. yeah Yeah, Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. So he, I mean, he had a beard. He uh, uh, always referred to himself in the masculine. Mm -hmm. But uh, he used to bleed. He had periods. And Mm -hmm. he uh, obviously had the body of a woman. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really don't know. But he he was very much accepted in the community. Mm -hmm. And uh, was there for many, many years. And uh, yeah, we were fortunate enough to see him be released. It was a very happy sight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I say, that he was visible at the gate saying goodbye to everybody in a very smart check. In in you see in, in the Yadwada jail, of course, there were only women, um, except for as as you pointed out, this trans person. But uh, in Vaikala jail, because it was a as I said a jail inside a jail, so there was a larger jail compound uh, where there was a, was a male jail and the 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 women's jail was sort of within uh, you know had a separate wall inside and, and there was a, but uh, but the women would have to go out to the dispensary to the canteen to the gate you know for, for uh, uh, and uh, so there would be some chance of occasionally meeting with male inmates okay. also the particularly the ones who used to do certain kinds of work for the jail. Um, who were sort of daily wagers for the jail both among the women and among the men Mm -hmm. so and uh, many a time we had a situation where you know somebody was stopped from doing work because she was seen passing a note or she had some love letter or <laughs> oh you know or you know they would be sort of uh yeah. Occ- occasionally of course there was the very happy situation where uh, uh husband and wife were both in the same jail like both in baikala jail then the the authorities would actually give them some time to be with each other every week oh, okay. so <laughs> and that was rather nice but usually Uh, they would be separated in the sense that they would usually be in in other jails and could only meet by video conferencing. Um, Again, in the Yerwada jail, uh, where the male jail was separate and the women's jail was separate, um, it it was on the last Sunday of the month that the women would get to have a mullah with the male accused family members. Uh, But of course, only if it was legalized. So it, it has to be a husband or a brother or a father not not a lover so that's not allowed um even if you're a co-accused it's not allowed so um but that would be again through the glass and through the phone like like a mullah from outside
1: yeah yeah there's one thing which i didn't know at all where you talk about how uh when the women are released i think there's i don't know the details i don't remember but um they have to have a man to take them or something the, they yeah, can't there's be-
0: this concept of being handed over. Yeah, and yeah, now no yeah, that I really find very strange because you know you you think a woman is adult enough to be tried, even to be sentenced, convicted, but when she's released, she's not adult enough to go out in the world by herself. So basically, I think it's a very patronizing kind of concept uh they say they do it for the good of the woman um mm. uh, but basically uh, yeah if they they feel that there's no respectable family member coming to pick her up then uh, they might send her to
1: another which so is better off in captivity than being alone <laughs> by herself i mean this is really bizarre i didn't know about this so people will been languishing yeah, yeah, yeah. in institutions because there's no man to take them home
0: Perhaps some of them, yes. There is nobody to vote for you, then it's very likely as a woman that you'll end up in a sense Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. Okay, Okay, so in this bit, time and again, I mull over how legal aid in the highest courts could be made more effective and meaningful for prisoners. And I have some thoughts and you give your thoughts. So do you want to talk about that, your thoughts on this particular subject? Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, actually, I think... uh, it was. being a lawyer i mean that was what was most upsetting and disturbing to me the condition of legal aid it was really really poor many of the times women were signing vakalat namas they didn't know the details of their lawyer like they didn't didn't know the pro- full name the address the mobile number they didn't know anything about it they didn't know the their court dates the the, that lawyer, even if it was he was he he or she was assigned to them, would only meet them in the court, would not bother to come because they are very poorly paid. Legal aid lawyers are very poorly paid. So they basically don't just refuse to go out of their way to do anything. So that means they won't bother to come to you and ask your story. Okay. Sometimes they wouldn't know whether the charge sheet has already been taken by the lawyer over there because uh, that person is representing you in the court and maybe you are not taken because there's no guard or something
1: and okay. that lawyer
0: has uh, taken the chat sheet you don't even know whether the chat sheet has been is there or not what is written in the chat sheet nobody is explaining it to you so mm-hmm. you know this notion of a lawyer not being accountable to their client the client is the prisoner yes so the problem with the legal aid lawyers is they they First of all, they're very poorly paid. That is the first thing. The second thing is that they consider themselves responsible to the system, to the legal aid, to the legal aid services authority, not to the prisoner who's your client. Okay. It's your job to get them out. It's your job to know their case. It's your job to know what condition they're in. And whatever is happening with the person inside the jail, maybe she's ill, maybe she's lost a family member, maybe her children, you know, she's, her children have to go away in Sanstha. Whatever issues she has, it's your job to bring them before the court mm-hmm. and particularly as an under trial, because that person is under the judicial custody, they're under the custody of the court. Mm-hmm. And the court, you know, it's your job to make sure the court knows what is happening with that person and what relief can be given to that person. Yes. So, this is severely lacking, severely lacking, and uh, of course in the higher courts so they get to know even less because they don't even go to those higher courts at least as long as the matter is in the session court or at the trial stage prisoners are at least taken to those courts hmm. even if not on every occasion many of the time the guard is in such a hurry that they just want to just take them take a date and come away not even allowing them to meet those lawyers so oh. uh, so this is really i mean this uh, this the, the accountability and the quality of, of legal aid has to be much improved. And mm-hmm. I'm happy to hear that uh, a system like that uh, co- called uh, you know Legal Aid Defence Council has been started in some districts, mm-hmm. um, but it needs to be probably extended all over the country. There, at least they have this notion of having lawyers who are so committed to legal aid and paid well, and including younger lawyers who may be inexperienced but more enthusiastic who Mm -hmm. can be supervised to do this work. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when you come into the profession, you're very uh, eager and very sort of idealistic and you want to do all these things. Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, in the present, uh, under the present rules, you can only become a legal aid lawyer if you have seven years of experience. So, either by that time you've become, (laughs) you've already, uh, you know, adjusted to the system and decided to only go for paying clients Mm -hmm. or you've also, you've been thrown out of the system because you couldn't survive. Yeah. So, so this option for the younger and more eager lawyers to be able to really help prisoners is mm-hmm. uh, a very good thing if it works out.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, Sudha, you know I could keep talking to you because this is a very interesting book, but we'll have to. Uh, <laughs> but for one last question, what what are you you know what what are your plans now? You know.
0: Um. Well, I. Uh, I'm I'm because of my bail conditions I'm confined to Bombay. Yes. But in Bombay I'm trying to do. Uh, well, it's it's not. I mean, my my work was in Chhattisgarh and obviously I can't do. Uh, my union is there. My uh, you know the organizations I used to work with are there. Um, I I had a uh, you know group of lawyers there. Yes. Um, with whom I was working. So I can't replicate that situation. But while here, I'm still trying um, to do uh, similar kinds of cases. I'm trying to also um, help some prisoners who approach me. Uh, I'm trying to do mostly labor cases. Uh, unions are supporting me. Mm-hmm. I've been very lucky that I've been uh, accepted. Uh, i mean and supported like this by by unions, by lawyers, by social activists. So in that sense, I've you know I've. Uh, I've become a lawyer again, so yes. <laughs> so yeah, and uh, yeah, I've been I'm I've been lucky in that sense to sort of uh, be able to uh, do the kind to do, do this kind of uh, social lawyering, which I've always liked. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. So I hope I hope you know the government of the state takes um takes your advice in the book, which is like really I mean the kind of points that you brought up about the prison system about fee, women's prisons, especially, you know, the insights that you've given, are, I mean, any, you know, they're really useful for, uh, for improving conditions. And I hope somebody picks up the button and does actually, you know, uh, uses your, uh, you know, uses your insights and your uh, suggestions. I mean, one can only hope you know are you hopeful of that as well because you've seen it from the inside I and think, I think I think at least
0: that is one of the byproducts of people like us going to jail <laughs> 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 <But> at least <laughs> we get a glimpse into the world behind bars and uh, if we are able to do even a little bit for to help that I think oh. that would be this book, book could be very much worth it if if even a little bit could be done Yes. thank you so much. For yeah. so thinking that possible, and I I do hope a lot of people will listen to you and and uh, and yeah and 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 do something for the business.
1: Yes, so for the listeners, you know, go out and get from Farsi Yard "My Year with the Women of Yerwada" by Sudha Bharadwaj. It's a great book, and you know, it's full of empathy and uh, it's full of great suggestions. And I hope the people who are responsible, actually take, uh, uh, you know, pay great attention to it. Thank you so much, Sudha, for talking to me. Thank you, Manjula. It's been a pleasure. Okay.
0: Bye. Bye. To stay updated on this podcast, follow us at HD Smartcast on all the major social media platforms.